2: Welcome to the latest edition of the Total Saints Podcast. I'm Martin Stark. We stream each episode of TSP Live on our Facebook page and our YouTube channel. So if you're watching live on either of those platforms, you can get involved in the conversation using the comments section. Coming up this week on the podcast, we're going to discuss the disappointing defeat away to Brentford. And there are two games to go. We're going to preview the visit of Liverpool next Tuesday. Uh, Let me introduce you to our TSP guests this week. Uh, Steve Grant is the owner of Saints Web. How's your your week been, Steve? How's your footballing week been?
3: Yeah, well, went to Brentford uh, yesterday. New new um new ground for me and well for pretty much everyone I I imagine. And yeah, kind of as as ever, a good day out with um with some mates I've not seen for uh for a while was ruined by the 90 minutes of football. So uh yeah, that was that was annoying, but uh, the rest rest of the day was decent. Good good drink up in some in some nice nice pubs and uh yeah, went went to a um went to a gig in the evening uh over in Camden. So that was all right.
2: Wow, made the most of it then. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely.
3: Uh, Glenn Delacour
2: is the writer of the weekly Saints blog, League One minus uh, ten. Glenn, are you looking forward to the season being over as much as the rest of us?
4: Uh, yeah, yeah. It would be it would be nice to uh, be nice to get it finished, but it's going to be another another summer of. Um hitting f5 every few seconds isn't it? to see what um to see what's happening because there's going to be lots going on so uh, so yeah we're not i don't think we're exactly going to get a rest you know i don't think there's going to be a, a quiet month sort of thing before it all kicks off again i think it's going to be uh, it's going to be fairly busy and fairly frantic so uh, i'm sure there'll be things to uh to annoy us all throughout the uh, <laughs> the mm-hmm. summer and and mm-hmm. hopefully some things to get Excited about as well, but but uh, well, we need that Yeah, it's never it's it, it's never a simple thing, is it?
2: Also joining us tonight, Dan Sheldon is the dedicated Southampton reporter for the Athletic. Was that your first visit to Brentford yesterday? A relatively short trip up the M3 must be good.
5: Yeah, it was nice. Really, really, really nice people. Um, really nice staff. Quite a cool stadium. Just. Yeah, as Steve said, terrible football. Streaming about the football. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> well, we'll get on to that in a minute. Uh, the biggest hello and thank you, of course, is reserved to our wonderful patrons, wherever you might be listening or watching this week. Welcome to episode 197 of the Total Saints Podcast.
4: This is the Total Saints Podcast with Martin Stark, Steve Grant, Glenda Lacour, and the Athletics' Dan Sheldon.
2: And before we start, just a quick reminder about this live event which we've got coming up to mark our 200th episode. We're going to be hosting a live podcast in Southampton. The date for the calendar is Friday the 27th of May, so just a couple of weeks' time. It's going to be from 7 o'clock at the Five Rivers Sports Bar in Beavers Valley, and the evening is going to be supporting the Saints Foundation. 100% of the ticket proceeds are all going directly to that charity, so if you're interested in coming along, you can find the link to the event in the description for the podcast, and just check out all the socials as well over the next week or So Now after defeat, another defeat this time, Brentford, uh, it means it's one win in 10 Premier League games for Southampton going down 3-0 at the Brentford Community Stadium on Saturday. Dan, I'm going to start with you first because I think you pointed out yesterday about the the fans turning on the manager for the first time and highlighting that as a real turning point for for the manager and, and the season.
5: Well, no, I mean... I wouldn't necessarily probably say it was a turning point for the season. I mean the season's turned. turned around in March and has has been terrible since then, but I just thought it was significant because in all the games I've been at Cover and I mean I've, I've been covering the club since Ralph took charge, I've not, you know, you hear fans boo, but you know i have not heard you don't know what you're doing and you're getting sacked in the morning. So for me that felt like quite a significant moment. It should be said it wasn't the entire away end, but it was loud enough for everyone to hear it crystal clear over mm-hmm. the other side of the stadium yeah at first i was thinking is that coming from the southampton crowd I mean, especially the, the, the you don't know what you're doing One, i thought well that's definitely southampton and then the you're getting sacked in the morning i didn't know whether that was coming from the brentford fans over that side or i knew someone in the way and uh, simon peach friend of the show and i just messaged him to say was that come from and he was like no yeah but it just wasn't everyone just I dunno, it felt a bit surreal to be honest. Just kind of like, wow, it's at that point. And I can understand their frustration. I think it was, you know, they're 3-0 down and you bring on Romeu. Mm. And you just think, like, what you're gonna put him up front or oh no, here going to defensive midfield. Like it's it was just very odd. Very There are a lot of frustrating. I mean, and for me, that's been the culmination of kind of several months. That's not just a reaction to Stuart Armstrong being taken off for Romeo. I mean, that's what 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 my I might get I won't speak for the fans, but my guess is that's you know, since March it's been atrocious. The players don't seem to be putting a shift in, the manager seems to be running out of ideas, and nothing nothing appears to be working. And it's the frustration of yet another season that's gone to waste. So, you know, we were sat here two and a half, three months ago talking about almost them being a shoe-in for the top ten and maybe they mm-hmm. can sneak into to Europe. Now they're looking over their shoulder, and I sat watching the Leeds game earlier thinking how has it got to this point that I want Arsenal to win this match? It's, you know, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think the outpouring of frustration was probably all linked, all linked to that. It was uncomfortable. It's never nice hearing those chants. And I know Ralph afterwards said he didn't hear them. You have to kind of take him at face value on that, but I was sat further away from it than he was. And I managed to hear what was being said and it wasn't particularly loud at that time. So yeah, very, Surreal would probably be how I'd describe it. Unexpected, because as I said, through the nine nils, through the other terrible performances, at no point had they done the "you're getting sacked. So yeah, quite surprising. But the fans are entitled to their opinion. And Steve, you were there yesterday.
2: What was your take on the whole thing? Steve led the chance from what I'm told. <laughs> were you singing?
3: <laughs> no, I was kind of just... Uh, just Head face in hands. palming. Mm-hmm. Face palming mostly. I mean, it's it's got to that situation where you're now seeing uh the frustration boil over in the stand, not only in the songs, but also there were a couple of incidents where people were having to pop at each other. There were there was definitely a bit of wrestling going on in um in one of the aisles where someone had basically said something across the aisle to someone else. Someone had, had fired back and then all of a sudden people were having to get in the way to separate them and and all and it was all very sort of scrappy do hold hold me back, hold me back. <laughs> uh, type type we haven't thing. seen was, that for years. It, it was it was pathetic but mm that's that's the that's the situation we're in now whereby and and it's also i mean the the way that things go these days you are ba- you basically have to entrench yourself in one position or another hmm. uh, seemingly um there's there's no there's no room for nuance or or kind of mitigating circumstances for anything it's oh you've got to be. You've gotta be taking one position, pick your side any side, and you've gotta stick with it no matter what uh what you see in front of you um so that's where we are now, and I mean I guess the one benefit is that we're so close to the end of the season where all this is kicked off that actually the summer and if they if the club decides right no we're sticking by him and they get themselves vaguely sorted in in the transfer window and move fairly fairly early and quickly then actually that might quell the issues and nip everything in a bud, in the bud fairly, fairly sharpish. Um, but if they let things drag out and we actually don't have the summer that, that I think we all, we all probably agree is needed, mm. um, in terms of recruitment, then the start of next season, suddenly you're already looking at an ugly, ugly situation. And then if you, if you're going to change a manager, the best time to do it is the summer. So I think they, they need to, ultimately, they need to know what they want to do and um, make it known fairly uh, fairly quickly, I think.
2: What was your take on the game yesterday, Glenn? Another painful watch and
4: it seems like we've only got ourselves to blame. Um, it was, it, yeah, it was abysmal. I mean, we did all right for the first 10 minutes and then they scored with their first attack. And then they scored with their second attack. And from that moment on, you're up against it. I didn't actually think. Brentford were that great and if we'd have scored at any point between the second and the third goal I think it may well have played panned out like the Brighton game did a few weeks ago where we mm. were 2-0 down and because uh, um, I didn't think they were great but it was just one of those where we didn't look like we were ever really going to score I didn't think we had much idea going forward Um created a couple of chances but uh, we, Adam Armstrong was unlucky with that one just before half time that was a really good finish it would have been nice for him if if that had gone in but uh, sorry if that had that had counted but yeah once the third goal went in that that was the point that the um you know all the frustrations came to the surface and you know the the third goal was rubbish it 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 had been coming because every time Brentford got a set piece or got the ball near our penalty area I mean I don't know what our centre-backs were doing all game they were just atrocious I mean Ivan Tony was playing in the championship last year he's and he made I mean Bednarek has played international football. He's played against some top-quality strikers when he plays for Poland. And Ivan Tony made him look like an idiot, more so than most of the other forwards have made him look like an idiot this year. It's just nowhere near him, and it's Salisu is still in this sort of trench that he's got himself into over the last sort of 10 games and I think that's a major part of why we've struggled the defence is just it's just shocking and it, it seems to stem mainly from those two in the middle um, you've got to remember Fraser's played reasonably well for the you know for the for this period of 10 games but um, yeah just it, I think it all it all came sort of crashing down yesterday. You you know, we we have the chance. I saw the interview with Stuart Armstrong afterwards where he said, you know, we have the chances and, and we don't score. If you look at this 10 league games that we've had since um, you know, once, once the wheels started to come off, none of our strikers have scored. No. Not, not one goal from, from the strikers. We've had the odd one from Armstrong, one from Elianusi. Other than that, it's Ward-Prowse all the way. Hmm. You know, so we are, <laughs> to to quote Alan Hansen, can't score, can't defend. Not a good, uh, not a good combination. <laughs> and as and as usual, you know it. it it's it's the manager who cops the flak. And um, I don't know we're probably going to go into this later. You know, yeah. in more detail later on, but. Um, yeah, some some of those some of those players have just have just been a disgrace. I, th- I feel for the last for the last few weeks, and I think it all uh, it all came crashing down yesterday, really. And it, it was just it was just awful. It's just one of those games where you're just not not invested in it. You know, when it goes when you go two nil down, I'm watching it thinking, well, you know, we might. You know, there was a brief moment when Armstrong had the goal disallowed, and when that was the penalty shout, when the goalie came out like a loony, and um and sort of had that instant with with Brogier that I thought, well. That that's a little bit interesting, but the the game was just uh, rubbish. Really, didn't enjoy it at all. There was nothing to um, to remember it by afterwards. Really, and I was trying to write notes for it today, and I was just thinking, there's there's really not much to say.
2: <laughs> blank sheet of paper. And Steve, two quick fire goals that pretty much killed the game, but once again littered with errors, weren't they, and and mistakes in there.
3: Just pathetic. Just down just down the <laughs> middle of us again. I mean, actually, that second goal kind of actually reminds me a little bit of that Sofian Boufal wonder goal against West Brom where yeah. do you remember when the two centre backs collided on, on the, on the way through. And that was kind, that was kind of similar with a, with a um, similar sort of past finish into the corner um to finish it. And yeah, it was, it was just Keystone cop stuff. I mean, as Glenn said, I mean, Bed- Bednerek was absolutely pathetic again, um, as he has been for months. Uh, Salisu looked like he couldn't be asked. And by the sound of it, his brother was um kicking off with uh Various unhappy fans in in the away And I, I I never understand why family members and hangers on of um of players go and stand in the away in the away section because because as soon as they have a bad game, you are asking for trouble. And yeah, apparently that that didn't go well. And it's just been it's just been pathetic from a defensive perspective. And and it's weird because you actually look at the performances of our fullbacks and they've largely been fine. Hmm. I thought Walker Peters was was pretty good yesterday. Pero, certainly in the first half, got into some great positions going forward. It was only Redmond who ever actually managed to find him in, with the right pass at the right time. Diallo looks as if he's got no confidence whatsoever to play the, the sort of eye of the needle through ball that was needed each time. So he kept turning back. But it's just in the middle. Defensively, we're, I mean, Lianko and um, Jack Stevens must be an absolute train wreck in training. If they're not able to get in the team ahead of these two at the moment, because I mean, you you could take like the worst. I mean, you, you could, I mean, let's, let's say um, Norwich's two centre backs, uh, Grant Hanley and I can't even remember who else plays alongside him. Put either of those two into our defence and automatically at the moment you improve it hmm. because those two are playing that badly and look like they give. They've got no, they've got no tosses to give in that situation. Um, at the moment, it seems. So if those rumours of Bednarek getting sold getting sold for decent money to Italy are true, fine. I mean, I'll I'll drive I'll drive him there and buy buy him a pizza myself. <laughs> it's just he's he's just been abysmal and and the whole as you say the whole Man City thing of not wanting to play in what was clearly a, the biggest game of the season mm. because he had a personally slightly bigger one ten days later. Nah, not for me. Um, he's done for me. And it's just, it's just, it's just so disappointing that we, that every season we get into this situation. I mean, let's face it, most, most seasons at the moment, we get to a point where all of a sudden we're not playing for anything because we're out of the cups and we're relatively safe in the league. So it's, so it's okay. We can, everyone wants to get um, finished, finish the season strongly. You want to fi- like we all want to finish as high as possible. Do the players feel the same? i mean on on evidence from from what my eyes have told me over my my um, 38 years is that no players don't don't really care about league position there's nothing in it for them if there's no if there's no if there's nothing tangible at the end of it so years where we're fighting relegation sure we we fight to the final whistle that year where we were where we were going for europa league group stage under kuman yeah we were we were going to the end and we we won our last four games but season I mean there's so many seasons where we've been sort of comfortably in mid-table I mean anywhere from eighth downwards and as soon as we get to the point where like high thirties maybe forty odd points all of a sudden it's just oh we'll just toss this off now. Um uh, we've got no no interest in playing the rest of these games. Claude Poel lost his job as direct as a direct result and I'm sure there have been other managers in the past who have who have probably probably fallen by the wayside as well because the players have just decided uh Five, six or seven games to go. Can't be arsed now.
2: Well, there was four changes yesterday, Dan, with a few players coming in. Did anybody shower themselves in some glory? You, you think maybe if that Armstrong goal hadn't been disallowed, that might have shifted the momentum a bit and, and maybe done wonders for his confidence. But did, did anybody coming in for you stand out or, or stake a claim to be a, a key player next season?
5: No. <laughs> no. To, to put it bluntly, I mean, they, they lost 3-0 and they were terrible. Um, I thought it was a good finish. Uh, I thought Armstrong... I thought, that's a really good finish into the bottom corner for someone that hasn't played and found himself behind Shane Long in the pecking order. Uh, took his chance really well. Just a shame it was offside. Thought Brozier looked a little bit more active at times than he's done in yeah, recent weeks. Um, looked a bit more up for it. So you, you could maybe take those as positives, um, but then you realise who the opponents are So mm-hmm. in, in the next game. So you just think, well, those positives are going to be short-lived. As Steve said, I thought Kyle Walker-Peters perot both kind of good enough the didn't really work for me i don't think in the middle and it just it just came down to the game just came down to when privacy had those free kicks you thought oh this might be saints is like you know this is how they get out of this mess but yeah just it was terrible all around so no the four changes didn't make any difference they went from being terrible against crystal palace to being terrible terrible against brentford so
2: and, and Glenn, we spoke a bit about this last week, maybe two or three players aside, nobody's place is, is safe next season, is it?
4: You, you get rid of the lot. You wouldn't be bothered um, about a number of them leaving. You know, I, I was head in hands a little bit when I saw the, saw the team. It, 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 it's just some of it doesn't make sense. If you just take the two strikers, you've got Brozier, who was slagged off by the manager last week for not doing anything. Somehow he he goes straight into the team off the back of that, um, and Adam Armstrong who hasn't even been able to get off the bench for the last nine ten weeks. Suddenly is a is is a first team starter. I I didn't understand that. Che Adams had a poor game last week, but he was good the week before. So he he's the, to me is the only striker who has been in even remotely reasonable form recently, and and he gets left on the bench, um, and and doesn't come on when we you know when we when we need a goal. So it, it does seem like some players are judged. By harsher standards than others. I mean, we've mentioned we've mentioned Bednarek who just seems to. It's like how many bad games can you have in a row before you get left out? It, it's it's remarkable how still, he um, still counting. Yeah, still counting. Um, <laughs> you no, know, um, you know my my old mate Nathan Redmond. I mean, I I I, I get what Steve's saying when um, he when he gets the ball in space, he is one that can actually. Pick a pass out and create he actually he actually looks up forward.
3: he gets gets his head yeah. off
4: which which so many of us don't at the moment but the trouble is the rest the rest of the time, if he gets given the ball anywhere near an opponent, forget it. He's not. He's not interested in any sort of physical challenge whatsoever. Maybe he's got an eye on next season, um, and maybe being somewhere else. I don't know. But he, he, he. Like, it was like running away from the ball a lot of the time. Didn't, didn't look interested. I thought Stuart Armstrong tried, but his final ball was bad yesterday. Quite often, he made he made a good run forward, but then, then the final ball was usually a, a skiddy cross that just got just got wellied out. The criticism of Ralph, and then when I know we're going to get onto that is kind of. You know it's warranted at this point, but we we've got some bad players who are who are never going to be more than you know bottom six level players, and you know and until we sort that out, then um, then we're we're always going to struggle. They they can put in the odd good performance, and when they all do it together, we look like a half decent side, but. At, there's there's too many that just they don't seem to be able to put in a sort of seven out of ten performance it's either an eight out of ten or it's a three out of ten and there's there's far too many inconsistent players who just who just fall off a cliff for for a few weeks and you you just can't have that and expect to be remotely successful at Premier League level is it
2: the lack of investment Steve that's catching up with us do you think there's lots of ways to dress it up and you can talk about like the net spend or what we spent in January what we spent in the summer is is the bottom line we haven't invested enough and we are where we are because that's where we deserve to be
3: possibly I mean certainly there's no there's no kind of debate in the numbers uh from from a raw perspective but I think I think there's always scope to to do more with the money that you've got and, and I actually I actually think we've not done I mean other than the obvious sort of 10-15 million pound buys that have very clearly failed the likes of Hoot, Lamina, Carigio and players like that, the vast majority have at least contributed something. But the problem is that those those sort of players are, as as Glenn says, they're the ones that are going to give you they'll give you an, an eye catching performance every now and then. But more often than not, they'll be they'll be average at best. And that's and that's kind of the problem where you allow where you've got a I mean, you've got a league system that actively, that pretty much actively encourages um, stockpiling from the bigger sides because they can just send them out on loan to whoever they feel like at any given moment, and a, a sort of wage structure where I mean, obviously we've been we've been kind of living in sort of slightly tightened times over the past five years or so because we had an owner who, for whatever reason, either wasn't able to invest his own money or didn't want to. Which is which? I mean, e- either of those isn't a cause for for grumbling per se. I don't think because I think clubs should be run sustainably. But when everyone else is um, finding a way, we kind of haven't. And yeah, I guess to an extent, that's coming back to bite a little bit. I don't think we were ever going to have. I don't think we were ever going to be able to maintain the sort of the sort of hit rate that we had in uh, in the Kuman era in terms of the players that we were that that we that we acquired. More or less all working out brilliantly, but we've over there were probably a two or three year period where we went completely opposite direction. They are all disasters, and we're still kind of. I mean, it's only really since the takeover and seemingly the financial situation as a result being sorted. We're only kind of now over that. So this summer is the first one where it's kind of a clean slate and. I mean that, that's that's kind of why I say I think we need to kind of set our stall out early and and make sure it is early with um, with one or two signings because I know that the club likes to let these things drag on particularly on particularly into July the first so that it um, it fits into the uh, the next financial year but I think um, there comes a point where you've kind of just got to lay down a marker just to just to silence the the kind of. I mean, it's pretty relentless negativity at the moment.
2: Hmm. And Dan, do you think there would be, obviously players coming and going, but do you think there'll be other changes going on behind the scenes? I know that there's the the head of recruitment that's off to Leicester, the club are trying to keep hold of him. It, does, does that make sense to you to keep hold of someone that wants to go? Um, do you think they'll just be pressing the reset button over the summer and, and looking at all, all aspects?
5: Well, I mean, ultimately, he's an employee of Southampton Football Club. He has a notice period, like I'm sure all of us do. For me, I don't know why... Unless Southampton were concerned that Martin Glover wouldn't be fully focused on the summer transfer window because he'd have Leicester in his in his head, then I don't see any reason why they should let him go early. He's been planning, this, you know, he's been part of all the meetings for the, for the summer recruitment. So for me, it's fairly logical to to keep him in his post until after you know until he served his notice period. I think if Southampton were worried that he'd be kind of giving away stuff to Leicester, then I don't think they'd have hired someone of that character in the first place. Everything I hear about Martin Glover is always very positive, really good guy. So no, there's nothing that concerns me there. Him eventually leaving does give Sport Republic. From what I'm told, there will be some changes to the structure. So Martin going or when he does go to Leicester, that obviously creates a vacancy and how do they fill that vacancy can they shuffle a few people around do you change the makeup of the board these are all things that sport republic will have to consider um going into the summer it wouldn't have really made too much sense to do it in january for me when they took over you kind of just leave things as they are mm. southampton were on a really good run of form at that time everyone was happy so get to the summer but i think as a whole i think yeah structural changes do have to kind of i think you want to see a few bodies moving around and i think That stems to the playing staff, the coaching staff. And that's not me advocating for any manager to get sacked. I just think, you know, put some fresh voices in there around Ralph or whatever. And that is something I think supporters will want to see Sport Republic doing. It's about how can we now take this club to the next level? Because it's been stale for for quite some time.
2: And Glenn, Ralph was quite quick to dismiss the the on-the-beach claims this week. But if the effort and work rate isn't there, is it a lack of skill, a lack of direction, or, or are they just not playing for him? It, it, could it be, you know, wider
4: issues? I think it's uh, it's probably all of the above. I I definitely think there's. I mean, in these days of um, you know statistics that seem to come out for everything, I'd it'd be interested to see what our running stats are. But to be honest, that game against Crystal Palace, you could see with your we, you know, you didn't need a you didn't need a calculator to realise that we weren't running. You know, we we had no one to pass to in that game, and it was just just awful. So we ended up banging the ball out the pitch. There are lots of factors that that are causing this this drop off. Ralph is one of them, I think. I think it's fair to say that. I think it's 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 reached a point where you. I I never mind when I can see the logic of things. Things don't have to be explained to my satisfaction. It's no one's job to do that. But I like to think I know a little bit, but sometimes you you look at things and just think, what 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 is going on here? Why why are we doing that? You know, why why are we playing this way against this particular team? Why why do we have why do we have a coach who's specifically detailed to for set pieces, defending and attacking? We've got the best set pe- one of the best set piece takers in the country. We never score from a corner, or hardly ever score from a corner, and every time Brentford crossed the ball into the box. From a set piece on Saturday, it, it's an absolute train wreck. You know, is there any <laughs> is there is there any is there any accountability for the coaches who are just to carry, carry on with that point for ages? I've been worried about how how we defend corners. You know, we we put the we put the three big guys or whatever we've got along the six yard line, and we rely on someone like. Diallo or Ward Prowse to mark the biggest player. You look at the first goal. Look at the first goal. That that cross came in, and Ivan Tony's being marked by Diallo and he just he just like throws him off. It's embarrassing. He chests it down, crosses it, goal. It's pathetic. It's 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 pathetic. So why isn't Ivan Tony being marked by someone with a bit of physical presence? And did I read,
2: Dan, you said that they were picking the strikers based on their size, not with a view to scoring goals, but with a view to, to marking at, at set
5: pieces. Was that was that right? That, no, that's not come from me. That's come from, um, yeah, Ralph. Ralph in his press conference. So I'd heard the week before that one of the reasons perhaps why Adam Armstrong isn't featuring is there's a more technical thing to it and someone mentioned defending at corners to me and then Ralph was asked about Adam Armstrong and actually brought that up ahead of the, the Brentford game but he just said Dave Watson wouldn't be too happy if I'm picking
4: kind of two strikers that are smaller than six foot so well sod Dave Watson why on earth do we sign a five foot why do we pay 15 million for a five foot seven centre forward then you know it's, it's, it's mental so yeah we spent all this money on you but sorry you're not going to play because you're not talking about you haven't grown four inches since we signed you. Well, it was the defending set
5: pieces that was the interesting. It's like I thought, well, that's not really Adam Armstrong's job. Well, I mean, he should just be a body in the box, really. That's as a striker, you just he's not really got yeah. any defensive
4: now, is he? He's it's just, a shame that rules rules out signing Lionel Messi next season, doesn't it really? Because <laughs> he's, he's only five for five, well, five. He, he can't. Can't well if we if we want someone to put some work rate in, I
3: think I think that's probably a struggle anyway, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: What's your take, Steve, on the 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 manager at the moment and the coaching setup? Because clearly, questions are being answered are, are asked about stuff like this, aren't they, at the moment? Yeah, and...
3: I mean, there's, I mean, as I say, you're you're coming up to coming up to the close season where if you're going to make a change of some description, whether that be the manager, whether that be a complete clean sweep of right one out, all out, um, or whether it's okay, well, we're just going to kind of refine. We still believe that Ralph can can do it and. We've not actually given him any anything kind of tangible, uh, sort of finance and investment wise to date. So let's see what let's see how he gets on with some with some actual backing. But let's let's kind of rotate out the the coaching staff, see if see if a different voice, see if some different voices alongside um, provide some new ideas and a little bit of new impetus. I mean, I don't know what. I and mean, as as Glenn says, I mean, Dave Watson was goalkeeper coach got. Booted from that because our goalkeepers all all became terrible. Um, so we so we decided to give him give him a job of um, drawing up set piece routines. Which I mean, from an attacking perspective, I mean to be fair, from an attacking perspective, about two years ago, largely because we had a guy that was six foot eight and could win and could win stuff in the air. So it's it's a lot easier to to design good set piece sort of routines when you've got got players with those attributes. Not so much when you've got got a a center back who's who seems to kind of be afraid to tackle anybody at the moment as we have with um, with Jan and um, and yeah I mean I I mean what Kelvin Davis does I have no idea genuinely I mean he's he's on the books as a coach what sort of coach does he uh, does he specialize in anything I mean from what I've seen he doesn't do any work with the goalkeepers
4: Phil Walcott's on the book as a player.
3: Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, but he's
0: got he's got
3: Walcott's got a fixed term contract at least. Davis, I assume, is just a an ordinary employee, so he's he's employed for as long as he's employed. And I, I just we've got coaches on that coaching staff who's like, what are you what are you actually bringing to the table here? Because I've got absolutely no idea. Well, they um, haven't ever. I mean, I
5: think we're probably all in unison. They haven't. Well, they haven't ever replaced Danny Roll. I know no. that sounds so simplistic, but I can't tell you how highly. The players thought of like Danny. he, Danny. I mean, look what he's done since he's left. Really, I mean, it's not a coincidence that Hansi Flick would kind of plead with him to go to Germany uh, and do yeah. the the national team job when he could have stayed and have Nagelsmann pleading with him to stay at Bayern. You know that that's not a coincidence. You've got Richard Kitzbichler, who I guess was maybe a de facto replacement, but he's more of a video analyst. He's not really a coach. He's more of a video analyst from that RB model, and then. Another thing that is striking is you never really see them join Ralph in the dugout in, uh, in the temple area. Sorry, in the, the game, yeah. Th- yeah, I mean you see Dave Watson up there sometimes with the iPad, obviously kind of maybe showing Ralph something about set pieces or when the players come he's over, he'd be there with his iPad and so showing them something.
4: He's playing Temple Run. <laughs>
5: yeah, I just <laughs> think how tall yeah. they all
4: are.
5: I do think Andrew, but Sp- the goalkeeper. I thought he's done. You know, bearing in mind he has two goalkeepers that have. Had to kind of change the way they they play entirely, and we can all debate the merits of whether they've actually improved or not. You know that was probably a difficult job, and he's done that, in my opinion, quite well. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, I I don't know. And um, Craig Fleming, I from what I'm told is pretty good. That's not me saying I'm not told the others aren't any good, but yeah. that is kind of as far as it goes. Really, I, I, for me, it's just if you. If they're going to keep Rav, which I, I do think they should, because I do think, you know, with Sport Republic, you have got perhaps a bit more financial freedom than before, and you you know, give him actual backing and then see what he does. I mean, that will of course put him under humongous pressure at the start of next season. And you probably can't afford to start that slowly. But keep him and just change some of the voices. I'm not saying get rid of them, but just maybe add a couple in or put a new ass- I mean, he's got like five assistants anyway. So what's why not have a sixth one that actually you know, we'll come no, in with fresh doesn't. ideas. Mm. Fresh it's, interesting.
4: it's interesting, though, isn't it? Because, I mean, Martin Simmons is Ralph's biggest supporter. You know, he was on the radio two months ago saying, and i paraphrase paraphrasing here possibly, the best manager Salampton could possibly have. Mm. So he th- obviously thinks very highly of him. He supported him when we've had those hammerings that we got. But even Martin, I imagine, would, would struggle with finishing lower with less points than last season which we are on course to do uh, and, and this of course, season there's been no injury well this i mean you yeah, know no. recently i mean there's, there's COVID, no fewer injuries. excuses yeah. yeah this season yeah. than last season for me and of course it's not solely down to martin Simmons anymore you've got hmm. you've got the new owner you've got rasmus Ankerson in there who are obviously going to have a say in things they're not going to be as you know have the relationship with ralph that that martin has got so I mean, it, it may even be as fragile as what happens in the next two games. You know, they, they may want, for all we know, they may want to see a response from the team in the next two games just to, to um, you know, cement what they're, what they're doing for, you know, for next season. Well,
2: they'll be um, looking at it and going, well, the top 10 finish was, was there for the taking, wasn't it? And, and it's going to cost us, what, 15 million quid? maybe. I, I, do, think, money? I do
5: think there is a realisation within Sport Republic that Southampton haven't got the 8th, ninth, or 10th best team in ah. the Premier. I do think there is no, a, you know they, they realize they haven't got you know they probably have got 13th 14th 15th sixty mm. around that kind of ball they're in that ballpark aren't they of budget of quality so they're not I mean Sport Republic aren't sat there thinking gosh we we have to finish eight this is outrageous but the key thing will just be whether what they decide to do is do you change the players and go for a big overhaul do you change the manager do you do both that's that will be a key question, I think, in the
4: kind of coming weeks. This was a case of, does the manager get the best out of his resources? Now, I, I think there has been plenty of times when Ralph has certainly done that, but it's just not happening at the moment. If you look, if you look around the league, you look at someone like Brendan Rodgers. I know they've had Europe as a distraction at Leicester, but they've got a much more expensive squad than we've got, and they're one place above us in the league. Yeah. yeah. So you would say he's underperforming, whereas someone like, um, I don't know, until recently, Bruno Large at Wolves is probably, you know, it's Graham mm-hmm. Potter. They're kind of overachieving with, with what they've got. And it's, it's just a case of how they view the strength of the playing squad and yeah. what Ralph is achieving with that. You know, and like I say, earlier on in the season, everyone was happy with it. Hmm. And it was only 10, 15 games ago. I know that's a long time in football terms, but um, but but at the moment, are they going to look mainly at Ralph, or are they going to look at the squad? And as someone said earlier, do they feel he's the if they are going to invest some money and sign three or four new players or whatever, do they feel that Ralph is the best manager to get um, the the best manager that Saints could get to um, to get the most out of those resources?
2: Sonny's watching on Facebook says the assistants are like our number ten. There's lots of them, but none of them are any good, uh, which I think is a, is a valid point. And we will talk more about Ralph and the coaching staff and the changes that need to happen in the summer over the next couple of weeks, and certainly um, at the live event as well. So Liverpool... Next, uh Tuesday the seventeenth, because that game's been changed. Um, oh, good. So yeah, Go for really. the score
5: predictions. Go <laughs> the score predictions and call it
2: a night. <laughs> 4-0 back in November, Steve. A game against the best team in the world right now
3: who will need the points. So it's gonna be uh it could be an interesting one. Yeah, I mean, all we've got to do is um is set ourselves up like Spurs did last night and um just completely shut the game down, which obviously we've proven so adept at doing lately. <laughs> been like an impenetrable brick wall um, but yeah I mean, the way things the way we've defended in recent months I think you you just, you really struggle to make a case for us either getting anything out of it or even laying a glove on Liverpool at the moment but I mean let's be honest it's a funny it's a funny old game and and things can suddenly change completely randomly at times and also I mean Liverpool obviously got the cup final four days earlier if they're not if the league is effectively done by then, which it could well be, if City win at West Ham on Sunday, then I mean, do Liverpool basically put their reserves out and not really give too much give too much um, weight to our game? Um, who knows? If that's the situation, we're playing against their reserves, then I mean, okay, you're up against a bunch of highly motivated players who want who want to play for a, a place in the Champions League final, but they're not then they're not the same team when three or four of their stars are, are, are not in the team. So at that in that situation, you then look at, okay, where, where are the specific weaknesses? And that'll be what that'll be, you would assume where we'll be working on for the next, what, 10 days or so. How are we going to lay a glove on this lot when we were, I mean, it, it was a weird game up at Anfield, wasn't it? Cause actually we started the bet. We, we started really well and we still conceded inside 90 seconds. And it's one of those where you've got to, I mean, we, we haven't done this very, an awful lot um, much this season, especially not lately, but you've just got to take what little chance you actually get, be clinical, which I think probably means that you've got to play Adams, whether you play Brozier alongside him or whether you go with, go with something more defensive, kind of don't really know, but I think... Adams is the one I think of all of our strikers who I would, and I mean it's a relatively low bar I think at the moment, but I think he's the one I would probably just about trust the most with, with any sort of sort of snap chance that we might get against against a side like Liverpool. Beyond that, I mean, I would, I chain. I mean, you might as well chuck chuck Lianko in there. I mean, he can't be any worse than the two that played uh, yesterday, and. Yeah, I mean, see what happens. It's kind of a free hit as long as you don't get absolutely humped. And yeah, let's, let's let's see. I mean, I'm I'm at the moment with yesterday still fairly raw, I'm I've got absolutely no confidence or enthusiasm for that game at all. Hmm. Um, but it's ten, it's what 9 days away now. So, I mean, who who knows? Um, I mean, Liverpool might get hilariously embarrassed in the cup final and then all of a sudden we're up for um we're kind of up for it a little bit more as fans, I think. Um, but we'll see.
2: Glenn, do we set up the same as Arsenal at home and just defend like hell and and hope to get something on the counter-attack? Do you think we'll end up with five at the back? Mark um, is watching on Facebook. He says uh, we are not going to five at the back with Lianco coming in. Valerie as well.
4: Yeah, I would have said that, but directly after the game, that's what he tried to play up at Anfield. And he he basically tried to match up Liverpool's, you know, three strikers with three centre-halves. And we got ripped to shreds. And he, he said, Ralph actually admitted after that game that he'd got it wrong. So I mean, stranger things have happened. But I'd, so for that reason alone, I'd be surprised if he went for for three at the back again. I mean, personally, I think <laughs> I think Liverpool will find a way no matter what we do. I guess it just depends on on who you know which players he 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 trusts because against Liverpool, you've got to do your job for ninety minutes. You can't switch off. You know, you, you can't have twenty minutes off like we seem prone to doing, where the ball's pinballing around our penalty area all, all the time. We we got a bit lucky in that Arsenal game, didn't we? Because you know Fraser out of madness, but this this is um, this is a different level altogether. If Liverpool are on it and they, you know, they need to win and they've got more or less their first team out, it's an entirely different level because mm. the one thing I've noticed this year, you know, you, you talk about you talk about the big six, but Liverpool and Manchester City are so far ahead of the others. It, it's just it's just ridiculous. I think there will be a few reserve players playing for Liverpool because you know they've got Chelsea, which is not a game that they can in the cup finals, it's not a game that they can rest people. And take any liberties if they were playing a team from the bottom half they might rest a couple in the cup final but um, as ridiculous as that sounds but uh, I see them coming with a with a with a pretty strong team so I'm expecting to see you know Salah and Mane and uh, one other playing the midfield Uh, Van Dijk will play absolutely positive of that and to be honest I I see nothing to suggest that we'll trouble them at all as Steve said will we lay a glove on them I mean I've I've sat through some horrible games against Liverpool where the game's been dead after 20 minutes, and you just 70 minutes of their fans singing Mo Salah flying down the wing. It's not fun. It, it's it's not fun. So uh, yeah, not really looking forward to it much. But uh, I don't know. I think I'd be I'd be tempted to pack the midfield, maybe a sort of four five one type thing with Shea Adams up front and just try and support him. But I, I think I think whatever you decide to do, it's uh, it's a very it's a very big stretch to expect us to uh, get anything out of it.
2: Have we got any chance, Dan? Can we finish on a positive? I'm thinking um we always play better against the bigger teams. We got I was gonna say we've got ten days to rest, but I think we talked about this before, haven't we? That's when Ralph thinking tends to go into overdrive. And well they can actually the players
5: much. can actually go to the beach now. So maybe they <laughs> go actually- to the beach instead instead of mistaking a football pitch for a beach uh have southampton got a chance well they're going to start with the same same number of men on the pitch the, the score will be nil nil the game will kick off and their chance will go uh, no, i honestly don't i mean how can we i don't think we can sit here and say that southampton have got a, a, a chance of, of winning an awful lot would have to go wrong for southampton to get three points out of this game so as with glenn and steve i'm equally optimistic that Southampton will probably lose
2: let's do predictions for the penultimate time Um, this will be like that Strictly Come Dancing it'll be like seven (laughs) (laughs) we've got your paddles now Glenn last week I think you said two nil um, defeat we all predicted I think a defeat or um, you were the closest last week so I'll let you go first you can still draw level with Dan as well though because you're only uh, a few points behind so there is I'm I'm trying to build this up and and create a bit of excitement but it is all still all to play for
4: so it's it's how many goals will Liverpool get that's, yeah, the, uh, that's the question. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, I'm going to go for Southampton nil because okay. I think that's um, pushing the boat out there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Bit of a, bit of a wild, uh, wild guess, that one. So I think Southampton 0, I'll go Liverpool 3 because I think they'll get to the. They've got bigger games to come. You know, the, the league may well be beyond them. They've got Champions League to come. So it wouldn't surprise me if they get to the point where they're, you know, the game is done and then they phone it in, you know, for the last half an hour sort of thing. And we see the likes of James Milner and um, and <laughs> and people like that. So yeah, I'll go three 0 Liverpool. All right, Steve,
2: how many are Liverpool going to get? Five. Okay, and Dan <laughs> four four right okay i think we've got all the options covered there's an i can see a nine and a five in the predictions as well um so with that game being moved our next podcast will be on the wednesday night we're going to get back together on wednesday the 18th to uh to discuss that one so look forward to that and before we say goodbye big shout out to our, our patrons as always in our Latiz tier we've got colt baker dave Ernsberger, ed busy phil cook and nick higston in the francis Benali tier there's nick reed matt hall and david melton and you can find out more about becoming a TSP patron and all the benefits that come with that over on the website. Uh, thanks to Steve, thanks to Glenn, thanks to Dan. Enjoy your well it'll be a weekend off and uh, we'll catch up a week on Wednesday. Don't forget to follow this podcast wherever you're uh, watching or listening tonight and on the socials it's at Total Saints Pod. We've also got that TSP live show coming up to mark our 200th episode which is going to be on Friday the 27th of May at the Five Rivers Sports Bar in support of the Saints Foundation. Thanks for listening, thanks for watching and have a great week.